This is a BYU Sports Nation reviewable special. The 2001 BYU football season. Presented by the BYU Store. Now, from Studio B, here's your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. This is BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables, an unforgettable 2001 BYU football season on topic today. As always, we're presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wherever and however you're connected, nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who thinks 2001 pop culture begins and ends with the release of the first Lord of the Rings movie, Jerem Jordan. Now, when I saw Fellowship of the Ring in 2001, I didn't know that it was three movies. <laughs> so the movie ends, and I was like, what? We have to wait a year for this? I had no clue. Then a year later, I had my mission trip call to the Brazil, and I watched The Two Towers three times in the first day. What? Then on my mission trip, uh, my mission president said we could watch The Return of the King, so I saw it twice. Now, I'm going to admit, I actually watched it a third time. <laughs> I'm going to say that on, on TV here. I broke the rule, and I shouldn't have. Hashtag safety zone for life. You got to watch movies Don't on break your the mission trip? Yeah. I watched Lilo and Stitch. I watched, uh, anyway, yeah. 2001 was a great year. I was a senior in high school. You were going on your mission? I you were in, you were in, in South, Korea? South Korea. This was such a fun season. It was so fun. Um, and we're going to highlight that. It ends terribly. Which we'll get into. But we're going to hit the highs and the lows. We're going to talk to Brandon Doman coming up. We're going to season MVP, Luke Staley. Oh, my gosh. Reno Mahe. All these NFL guys. This was a memorable season, but we don't think of it as one of the all-time greats because of how it ended. But it ended because of injury and perhaps the worst loss ever. Yeah, the rediscovery of this season for me was so fun because I didn't get to watch most of these games. I found out seven to ten days later via mail and newspaper clippings from my mom. Yeah, via owl. About what had happened. Okay, so BYU was beating Mississippi State yeah. on a last-second field goal by Matt Payne when in reality they had just lost to Hawaii. <laughs> like, a yes, week later. 12 and Yeah. Th- these were some of the greatest days of my life, the 0-1 season. And then there were some of the worst days, too, near the end. It was, it was hard. But this was, this is one of the memorable seasons – we haven't gone down the path of like just the traditional ones per se. We're trying to highlight unique seasons in BYU history. Oh, this was very unique. And uh, you talked about all the different players that were featured in this season. We're going to talk to Brandon Doman, the Dominator. Dominator, baby. Is our feature guest today. You think he knows a thing or two about the 2001 season? Yeah, he's got stories. But we start, as always, with our figurative hiking of the Y and look down on the 2001 football season on top of Y Mountain. 2001, Jerem, marked the first year post-Lavelle Edwards. The GOAT retired. This was wild, yeah. Nobody knows what to expect now. There were so many unknowns about BYU football life after the great Lavelle Edwards. The stadium had been renamed after the coach. BYU did win the final two games of 2000 to send Lavelle off into the sunset. Brandon Doman was the starting quarterback in both. Lavelle's last miracle against Utah. And in comes Gary Croton, this largely unknown offensive coordinator in BYU football circles from the Chicago Bears. But he inherits like this offensive juggernaut with Brandon Doman, Luke Staley, Reno Mahe, among others. Yeah, this, this is uh, amazing. So BYU ends up going 12-2 and two this season. They win the first 12. They lose the last two. We'll talk about that in a second. That's the third time in school history that BYU had 12 straight wins in a season. 84-96 in this season. 
We don't talk about this season in the same milk, though, because they end up losing the last two. BYU goes 3-0. They crack the AP poll on September 9th. They score 70 points in the opener against Tulane. I mean, BYU's, BYU's put up 70 in a season just a handful of times. In fact, five times ever. This is one of those games to open the season. The game was flirting with uh, potentially breaking the all-time record when BYU scored 83 it, against UTEP. It was wild. Uh, I was at the game, and it was crazy. BYU gets up to number 9 in the AP poll at 12-0. They're number 12 in the BCS on de- December 2nd. But you had to be top 6 at this point to get in. There were teams like uh, Tulane in 98. BYU actually helps Tulane go undefeated in the bowl game. And then 99, BYU lose to Marshall. They're... 12th. BYU is kind of the third knocking on the door, BCS Buster-ish type of team, but unfortunately BYU does not beat Hawaii. In fact, uh, rumor had it that BYU was told prior to the regular season finale that you're not going to be invited to the Fiesta Bowl as an at-large because we don't think you're going to climb all the way to the top six from 12th. So there's some devastation there. The, the story of the season, though, is, yes, BYU's offense, unbelievable. They lead the country. Uh, in points, and they're, this is one of the best offenses in, in Cougar history. In fact, it's number one in points per game. Gary Crutton's scheme was so good, and he had playmakers, as you mentioned. Brandon Doman at quarterback. Luke Staley wins the Doak Walker Award. <laughs> Unbelievable. A running back from BYU won the Doak Walker? That's crazy. He didn't crazy. play in the final two games. He, break, he played in 11. In fact, he missed a game because there were some questions as to eligibility academically. Uh, nothing ever happened of that, but they were just they sat him out for a game. So in 11 games... The dude rushes for a single-season record at BYU and eight yards of carry and crazy. But, yeah, this is, this is a great team. They're 12-0. and They win some clutch games, by the way. Uh, UNLV and New Mexico and Mississippi State and Utah, of course. Yeah, some of those games uh, unexpectedly close, but they find a way to win, and that's yes. what good teams do. Doman and Staley and company made it happen. The disappointment comes at Mississippi State when Luke Staley breaks his leg on the final drive. BYU hits a walk-off field goal from a rescheduled game on 9-11. BYU did not play Mississippi State that week. No one played that week. Then uh, they're 12-0, but without Luke Staley, they go to Hawaii. And Hawaii puts up, to this day, a record-allowed number, 72 points. This is one of the worst days of my life. I was so (laughs) sad. So let's traverse through the peaks and valleys. The peak, Jerem? Yes. Bring the spirits back up. That's easy. Beating Utah, your (laughs) heated rival in dramatic comeback fashion and securing a Mountain West Conference championship in doing so. This is an unforgettable game and had incredible moments. Fans that were at this game talk about it uh, in the same light that BYU fans that attended the 1990 Miami game remember. It just, it was that loud. It was a seismic, seismic crowd and effort and volume as BYU comes back to beat Utah. That, to me, is the peak. You secure the championship. Everyone's going nuts. Perfect season remains for the moment. And we'll break down that the, the moments, and there are some great ones, right? Luke Staley down the sideline for the game winner. Gennaro Guilford with the uh, interception that sealed the deal. I mean, this was an incredible game because BYU's 10-0, and they're trying to keep undefe- stay undefeated. They're trying to win the Mountain West. This is year three of the Mountain West, by the way. This is the early days. And it's a rivalry, right? The year before, BYU had this incredible comeback uh, at Utah to win. And here they are again. Brandon Dam- Doman as a starter, 2-0 against the Utes. And uh, BYU gets that. I would argue that the peak, uh, you could argue also after Mississippi State, you go down to the SEC. You sort of validate, even though Mississippi State stunk that year, 3-9, and nine, I think. 
that, yes, we beat somebody. Because the question about BYU wasn't if they were good. It was how good. So they go and they beat an SEC team, and they're 12-0. and 0. It's like, okay, nice. BYU's the best of the rest outside the Power Six. Remember, the Big East was included in that at the time. They're not now. You can thank BYU for that a little bit, right? Uh, that's a peak as well. And that's a comeback. BYU struggled in the first half. They were down. Uh, Isaac Kelly with a uh, first play pick in this, but um, – that's a peak as well, going 12-0 and and thinking maybe there's a chance at, at this. We should mention, against Utah, Reno Mahe had uh, uh, had removed his appendix. Oh, yeah, we'll get into that. Well, he didn't do it. A doctor did it. But uh, that was a big deal. He played that week against Utah. And then the next week against Mississippi State. And the next week against Hawaii. He did not miss a game after having his appendix removed. Unbelievable. That's crazy. It's one thing to play, but then to contribute the way he did after having his appendix removed. Okay, we talked about the peak. What's unique about this season is the valley comes not that long after the ultimate high of the season. Celebratory, conference champions, it was epic. BYU beats Utah again in dramatic fashion. And you've already touched on it lightly, Jerem. BYU loses at Hawaii, giving up a program record 72 points, crushing any dreams of an undefeated season. Weird game. Early start in Hawaii, playing without Luke Staley. Brandon Doman gets injured. We'll ask him about that scenario. It was the Rainbow Warriors' de facto bowl game. BYU, top 10 team, coming to the islands. Oh, man, how do you not get super stoked for that? Nick Rolovich goes bonkers, and Hawaii puts up 72. And then all of a sudden, BYU's, I mean, any hope, any just glimmer of hope that they were going to break into a big-time bowl game was just totally pushed out the window. A couple years later, they changed the rule to where if you're top 12, you get an automatic bid if you're the best of the rest. So BYU was part of sort of pushing that um, you know, legislation, if you will, within the NCAA. And the As they seem to typically be in every great season they have. Nick Rolovich threw for eight touchdowns and 543 yards. This is what it was like to play against BYU in the 80s. <laughs> It's terrible. Seven uh, giveaways for BYU. That was that was really hard. That was really hard. Uh, Ashley Leslie, Hawaii wide receiver, said, we came out and beat Goliath. We beat up the bully. And they did. Well, they beat up day. the bully without their ringleader. Right. And Brandon Doman gets hurt in that game as well. And, and they hurt the second guy too. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, Brandon McDonald-Ashford, the other running back, had torn his ACL early in the year against Air Force. So BYU was down to its third string running back. This episode of the Reviewables is going to be an emotional roller coaster for most BYU fans. We yeah. talked peaks and valleys, and now we're going back to the Most, best. Mostly good. It just didn't finish well. Okay. So are we officially labeling the best win of 2001 the Utah game? Because yeah. you just made yeah. an argument for Mississippi State. Well, no, it's the peak, not the best win. Best win's Utah. Okay, yeah. best win. Now, keep in mind, Utah was a pretty good team. They were 7-2 and two when they came to Provo to take mm-hmm. on a top 15 or top 10 BYU team, and the Cougars trailed by 11 points late in the fourth quarter. Yes. So it's, it's not only that BYU just won the game, it's how they won the game. The it was unbelievable. fashion. Yes. It was, it was unbelievable. I was in the stands on this one as well. And, uh, yeah, BYU is down 11 with 322 to go. That's crazy. With the ball. And I remember thinking, 10-0, like, is this going to happen? Come on. Uh, Doman to Staley TD makes it uh, 21-19. BYU goes for two. That point. BYU gets a stop. Brandon Heaney with an excellent breakup on third down. And then all of a sudden, BYU goes on this drive. Soren Halliday with a, a big play uh, catch. Uh, Luke Staley with the big run. All of a sudden, BYU sets up. 
what uh, you know is also this iconic moment, which we'll get to, of Luke Staley going down the sideline. I don't want to bury uh, this, so I'm just going to say it now. This is one of the easier schedules in BYU history, and I think that's to uh, that helped in the process. So I went back and looked at combined opponent win percentage in that season. Okay. Okay. How did everyone fare? Were they good? Since 72, that's Lavelle on, sort of the modern era of BYU football. This is the fifth easiest schedule in BYU history. Okay? Since 72. I think that plays into this. But you still have to win those games. So I'm going to credit the 0-1 team for winning those games. Now what's they interesting is BYU beats the likes of Cal, and they win at Mississippi Tom Homo coached, by the way. Right? So they win these Power 5 games, but those are not... Near the well, I mean Mississippi State is because it's road SEC. It's late in the There's season. Some P5 wins in there, but the Utah game is the best one of the season. That's the best yeah. team that BYU beat that season. I do want to mention that 1984 was the fourth easiest as well. Oh, that's part of the if BYU wins a bunch of games that season because the schedule wasn't that crazy. That's why we said 83 <sighs> is one of the best teams ever because they beat two top 20 teams at the end of the season. Okay. There you go. Capitalize on an easy schedule. BYU yeah. did in 2001, yeah. and the iconic moment. As we just discussed, Luke Staley down the sideline. Oh, man. The play that sticks out above all others from the 2001 BYU football season. When this happened, it was electric. Like, as electric as any moment I have experienced in Lavelle Edwards Stadium in person or watching any game. This is up there because he is – like, it got easy. No one touched him. No one touched Luke How Staley going down the happen? sideline. How and why does that happen? Doman to Staley sprinting down the sideline to seal the game against the Utes and preserve the perfect season at the time, clinching the Mountain West title, sending Lavelle Edwards Stadium into a seismic frenzy. <laughs> Former BYU and NFL linebacker and now BYU TV analyst David Nixon explains how and why this worked. Brandon Doman calling an audible to the short side, the boundary side of the field. Frankly, I'm not a big fan. As you guys know, I'm not a big fan of, of options or running to the boundary side, much less an option to the boundary side. Uh, but Doman does a fantastic job of seeing the strength of the field, goes away from it, uh, and, and executes this falsely. But keep in mind, a lot of this has to do with BYU's blocking up front and some help from Utah. So Utah's linebackers decide to bring a blitz off the field side. In doing so, the middle linebacker blitzes the A-gap he takes himself out of the play. That's boom, one guy out of the picture. Of course, the guy's blitzing from the field side out of the picture because they're running away from him. As the play develops, uh, you see Doman. The play really goes to Doman in the sense that he does a stutter step. He slows down, gives a little shimmy to the defensive end because the defensive end is the pitch guy. That's who they're pitching off of. He does a great job of slowing down the defensive end. and In doing so, the linebackers, when he does that shimmy and, and stutters, the linebackers respect it as well and do some false steps which does not allow them to get out to Staley on the outside. Staley and Doman, fantastic job of a pitch relationship at maintaining that throughout the play. They've done this a thousand times. They can do it in their sleep. Almost Doman, no look, basically, throws it out to Staley. Staley does the rest. But fantastic downfield blocking by Doug Jolly, the tight end, goes up, seals the edge. you got Archibald leading the front as well. He's almost blocking nobody. He's looking for work. And then, of course, Soren Holiday down the field blocking as well to spring open Staley. It's a beautiful thing, a play that goes down in history. I remember watching this when I was in high school, one of the plays that cemented my uh, commitment to BYU. Doman to Staley as broken down by David Nixon. Fantastic, fantastic breakdown. Now, while Staley put the Cougars ahead for good, 
on an audible, no less. It wasn't officially over until the defense, specifically one man, made a play. Again, pushing fans at LES into happy chaos. Enter Gennaro Guilford, who told us about that game-sealing interception. They needed a first down to get in in, in, uh, in field goal range. Um, and I just remember thinking to myself, um, if he does anything, if this receiver breaks down in any way, I'm just taking a chance. And he broke down and I took a chance. And I mean, and there we go. But, um, you know, and, and everybody, they always tell me, like, if he would have ran a double move, he would have scored. And I'm like, yeah, he probably he probably would have. But that's the, that's the life of uh, a playing corner. You take chances. Um, you have to take risks and you have to you have to be confident enough to know um, the situations. So um, I just I, I took a chance and sealed the game. How come you got caught? So let me let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you, okay. So for the people who don't remember, remember that's when I had my knee injury. I got hurt in the first quarter, mm. so that's when you know I had to go to the locker room and get some things done to come back and play. So that's why I had the knee sleeve on. So, you know, I was a tad, I wasn't as mobile as I would have been. No, but no, but no excuses. I got caught. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> um, it's more of a four nine forty than a four four, right? Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you still ran fifty but, yards. I mean, you could have run out of the stadium because the clock would have expired. You could have just run uh run out. Yeah. But I no. I wanted to score. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't want to know. I wanted to <laughs> score so bad. Like I, I wanted to get in the end zone. Like it wasn't even, that's not even an argument. I wanted to get in the end zone. I was, I was mad. The fortunes of BYU in 2001 really changed in just a couple of plays. As you said earlier, Wild down finish, 11 right? in with three minutes and change to go. And then Doman to Staley, the Guilford interception. Great breakdowns from those guys. What a finish. Coming up, Bronco Mendenhall and Tom Homo, their involvement in this season. And we're bringing the heat. Hot takes and the season MVP up next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play with a reviewable special 2001 BYU football team that finished number 25 in the AP poll, started 12-0, lost the last two games. An unforgettable season, which is why we are doing this. And we now move on, Jerem, to the most valuable player of the 2001 season. I think most of you are saying, well, that's easy. No, duh. It's Luke Staley, but BYU had a handful of special players on this team. Absolutely, but it is Luke Staley. He wins the Doak Walker Award. This is unbelievable that this school that is known for its passing has the best running back in the country, and because he wins it after he gets hurt, he accepts on crutches, which was just the saddest thing. But this is the greatest rushing year in BYU history. I think Luke Staley's the best running back BYU's ever had because of this season. He gets almost 1,600 yards. He averages 8.1 yards per carry. Oh, by the way, in 11 games! It wasn't like it was in 13. 24 rushing touchdowns, 145 yards a game. Oh, by the way, he had 32 catches for 334 yards. For reference, in 2019, Gunnar Romney had 31 for 377. Consensus first-team All-American. He led the nation in rushing touchdowns, a BYU record. Touchdowns from scrimmage and points. 
Five rushing touchdowns against Colorado State is tied for the most ever with Eric Lane and Jamal Williams. And oh, by the way, in his career, he had 48 touchdowns from scrimmage and exactly 1,000 receiving yards as well. 28 total touchdowns in 2001. That is wild. It's crazy. 1596 rushing. And yes, he's given the award as the best running back in all of America. It's almost painful to wonder what would Luke Staley have done if he had been able to play all 14 games in 2001, would he have reached 2,000 rushing yards? I think he could have. And in the NFL. I mean, he gets drafted in the seventh round by the Lions, and it just never works out due to injuries. Ugh. All right. Now on to our high heat, the hot takes. Jerem, you're up first. Uh, I said it in the first segment, but the schedule wasn't hard. This is the fifth e- easiest schedule by opponent win percentage since 1972. Credit the team for winning the games they needed to win. There were some tougher ones than you'd think, right? When BYU plays at New Mexico, who's the defensive coordinator? Bronco Mendenhall. When BYU plays against Cal, who's the head coach? It's Tom Homo. So that's fun. At UNLV, clutch plays by Brandon Doman down the stretch. Great block by Luke Staley on the game winner there. It all crumbles at the end because Hawaii is a 9-3 and team and Louisville is an 11-win team. They were good. So... A lot of you are saying, well, yeah, but BYU would have beaten Hawaii and they would have beaten Louisville if Luke Staley hadn't gotten hurt. Perhaps, right? Here's where my high heat comes in. Jerem, BYU didn't lose the last two games just because Luke Staley was hurt. They lost the last two games because the defense wasn't good enough. Even with Luke Staley, BYU's playing the two best teams that they will have faced all season in Hawaii and Louisville. I'm not sure that BYU wins those games Mm. if Luke Staley is healthy because the defense gave up a ton of points. Yeah, they did. And it's in spite of having a lot of NFL guys, which, by the way, there are five NFL guys on this roster. Five! Aaron Francisco and Brady Papinga and Brett Kiesel and those guys. Man, they had some good players. That's not to say the defense didn't have their moments, but, yeah, Louisville and Hawaii – were some really good competition, the best competition that BYU faced. This is one of the best, another take, uh, QB running back wide receiver combos ever. By the Ooh, way. Is, because, it, is it the best? I, I, uh, maybe. I mean, it's, it's up there. Um, Hill, Williams, Hoffman, Hall, Unga, Kali, Bosco, Lake Muli, Kozlowski. Um, I mean, there have been a bunch of them. Um, but this is up there because Reno Mahe had been junior Mahe before at BYU, goes to Dixie. Leads the nation in receiving. Goes from running back to wide receiver. He comes back. He's a huge part of this. He's a huge part of this. Doman Staley Mahe definitely has a case. Okay, now to our high motor guy award. Or the Colby Lee award. The Colby Lee award. Okay. We love it. Soren Halliday, congratulations. You are the high motor guy (laughs) from 2001 BYU football. Now, here's a guy that made some big plays. Had a huge touchdown catch against Mississippi State in that close win in Starkville. He had a huge catch to set up the Doman to Staley scenario against Utah. 27 catches on the season, 390 yards, couple of touchdowns, had one rush for 12 yards. Soren Halliday is our high motor guy award. Uh, honorable mention to my guy, Ned Stearns, who I passed <laughs> in high school, and I said, hi, Ned. And my friend to this day, uh, Manti, says, hi, Ned. <laughs> okay, second best player award, a.k.a. the Jackson Emery Award, uh, Brandon Doman. Brandon Doman was so good. In fact, he's the only uh, QB to ever have a season of passing for 3,000 and rushing for 450. No one did that. Steve Young had close to that rushing and more passing. Uh, Taysom Hill never got to 3K um, in passing. Obviously, injuries played a role there. But uh, this is a unique season. 33 touchdowns, eight picks. I mean, 
The Dominator was a playmaker, man. We will talk to him coming up. Yeah, he played himself into an NFL roster spot in one season. Literally, he is the third-string quarterback, and he goes to the NFL draft in a matter of, what, like 16 months That's amazing. That's an amazing yeah. run by Brandon Doman. Okay, coming up, who made the play call on the Luke Staley iconic moment against Utah? Brandon Doman tells all. Yeah, and speaking of the Dominator, did you know he didn't lead the team in a critical passing category? That's story next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables, 2001 BYU football under the microscope. Today, he is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. This is a special category for our friends on Cougar Board, who sometimes tend to run away with their ideologies. Jerem, maybe I say too much. (laughs) I don't know. It is what it is. If you know, you know. Our ode to Cougar Board, okay? Uh, So we come up with things that may or may not have been said if Cougar Board were running at the time of the 2001 football season, and we have landed on the following. Gary Croton is the next Lavelle Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. Lavelle should have retired sooner. No. You know, it, it ends up going south quickly in 02, 03, 04. Um, Gary's a good dude. What 01 uh, had was special at the beginning. Unfortunately, it came crumbling down and didn't quite work out. But BYU found the next guy with the uh, defense coordinator, a guy that he had had, Gary had had at Louisiana Tech, uh, by the name of Bronco Mendenhall. Yeah. yeah, he comes to BYU later. He's not on this 0-1 squad yet. And that's a perfect tie-in to our random facts let's of awesomeness go. from 2001. Uh, let's talk about some of those coach connections. BYU, Tom Homo, Bronco Mendenhall, all tangled up in a spider web of scheduling sorts. Yep, Cal, Tom Homo, uh, head coach, New Mexico, uh, D.C., Bronco Mendenhall. Eight players on this team go to the NFL, five on defense. Why was the defense so bad if there were five? <laughs> go to the NFL. The three on offense are Doug Jolly and Reno Mahe. They both play in Super Bowls. And Brandon Doman goes to the Niners. Not bad. Uh, fun fact about the quarterbacks, Brandon Doman did not lead BYU in pass efficiency in okay. 2001. Okay. What in the world? He led in rush efficiency for quarterbacks. 159.7 for the Dominator. Charlie Peterson. Oh, yeah, Bingham. 48 completions on 67 attempts, 71%, 632 yards, five touchdowns, only one interception. So it's not like Charlie did, you know, through 10 passes. He threw 67 passes. He had to come in and take over for Brandon Doman against Hawaii, did some nice things. But again, his defense gave up 72 points. The OG Baylor Romney. 172.5. Charlie Peterson. Peterson, Pass efficiency of 172.5. And, uh, we're going to ask Brandon Doman about the quarterback battle yeah. that uh, kind of ensued in fall camp because Peterson was very much in the mix. Okay, you score a lot. You kick a lot of PATs. So Matt Payne leads the nation in extra points and extra points attempted. So that's fun. Uh, two pass catches later play in Super Bowls. Reno Mahe and Doug John. Right, right. Eagles yeah. and Raiders. And uh, by the way, the pass catchers, two of them Attempted a pass in the 2001 season. Reno Maye, one for one for 17 yards. Not bad. He had a pass efficiency of like 242. Okay. Mike Rogel attempted a pass, but it apparently didn't work out. The OG Micah Simon? He, yes, he was, he was 0 for 1. Okay. The defense <laughs> took a beating at times, Jerem, but yes, this was did. a top 20 secondary in terms of interceptions. They had 21 led by Gennaro Guilford, six. Yeah. Gennaro was good, and that was a good secondary, absolutely. Um, BYU allowed four different players to rush for 150 yards in the season, just getting chewed up. But guess what? When you have the number one offense, not only in the country, but in BYU history in points per game, just outscore them. Everything's going to be all right. 
and BYU did outscore Have the a lot ball of last, outscore the opponent, you win the game. Okay, coming up, who won the season? But first, the 2001 quarterback, Brandon Doman, tells us his role in getting Reno Mahe back on the field against Utah after a ruptured appendix. Stay tuned for that conversation. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation, the reviewables, continues on BYU TV and BYU Radio 2001. Cougar football on the agenda, and our feature guest played a major role in that season. Making his BYU Sports Nation debut is NFL alumnus, former BYU quarterback, BYU offensive coordinator. He is the dominator. Brandon Doman joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Brandon, great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Looking back at one of the more memorable seasons in BYU football history, how would you describe the 2001 campaign for the Cougars? Oh, gosh. It was about as fun of a year as I've ever had in my life. Um, and looking back at that, the enthusiasm that we had with the new football coach, with Gary Croton coming in, and, um, I think coupled with a ton of good, good seniors. I think we had like eight guys on that team that played in the NFL. So we were just kind of perfect storm. We had all the right things in, in place, all the right players in place, and and uh, an exciting offense, and it was fun. Let's rewind back to the end of your junior season. So obviously, Lavelle Edwards Stadium is named, and you get your first start, and and you beat New Mexico, and then you go to Utah, and you you beat Utah in miraculous fashion, and Lavelle retires. Just this amazing, uh, you know, end to Lavelle's career, and you're the starting quarterback there. Then he retires, and then it's this new guy, the, the OC from the Bears, Gary Croton, and, it, and all of a sudden you score 70 in the first game, and then it starts 12 straight wins. Take us back to kind of what you felt as you took on the starting role at the end of Lavelle's last two games and then into this new era. Well, when I started for those last two games, it was because the two guys in front of me got hurt. You know, Brent Ingeman had gotten hurt. Charlie Peterson had gotten hurt. So even though – even though we had won those two games and I had been the starter, nobody gave me the indication that I was the starter going into the next season. It was, hey, these guys are going to get healthy and we'll have a little quarterback challenge again and see who's going to be the guy. And although I felt ex- extremely confident going in, different than I did ever before in my career there, um, I think that they felt an allegiance to all the quarterbacks to give us a chance to compete, and they did in spring ball. and. And I was grateful that I had the opportunity to start. So that was the first of it, just never really feeling like, even though I had won, that it was my job. Um, So I think it kept me hungry, uh, kept me fighting and battling for the job. Number two, um, this offensive coordinator from the Chicago Bears that none of us knew, and Gary Croton, came in with an entirely new offense. Nothing was the same. No terminology, not one formation. Uh, the, the structure of the offense was different. The, uh, the way that he, the, the pass concepts and route concepts were different. Pass protection was different. So we kind of freaked out at the beginning because <laughs> we did not understand a word he was saying. And he's a cerebral guy anyways. And so he would get going so fast and he would want to be so far ahead of where we were that our spring ball that year was, was a disaster. We, we could not move the football. Uh, we were throwing picks all over the place. We just couldn't grab a hold of what he was trying to get us to do. And I remember getting done with spring ball thinking, 
this is not good. We are not going to be a good football team. And uh, I went and grabbed him after spring ball. I said, Coach, I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I don't know why you're calling what you're calling. I don't understand a few of these concepts. And so there's got to be a way for me to get on the same page with you. And uh, I went and found every minute I could find with him inside the rule book and uh, sat down in his office, got him in front of the whiteboard, got him in front of the – and he was so bright. And if there's one thing I can say about Gary Croton is that he – that guy understands football. And uh, I learned so much in about a three-month period of time before we got to two-a-days. I started getting an idea as to why he was doing what he was doing, and it started clicking. And uh, had we not spent that time in the in the spring and summer, I think it would have been a disaster. But we uh, we kind of figured it out through the summertime, and we're ready to go. When were you given the starting job then? Not till two days. Yeah, not till. Um, fall camp. So in August, he finally told everybody that I was a starter and I started getting the majority of the reps. Um, but I think all of us were willing to work hard and, and spend the time. Uh, you know, Charlie Peterson and I were both seniors, pretty motivated to, uh, uh, you know, to, to make, make a run for it. And, and Charlie ended up becoming the backup. Brett never was, had some surgery and didn't quite get healthy. In fact, he might've even registered. I can't remember, but but it was Charlie and I that took that season on. And I think that helped, you know, you had two quarterbacks, a, a starter and a backup that were starter, starter caliber guys. And we could lead the off season workouts and the off season offensive stuff we were doing. So, like I said, it was a perfect storm. We had all the right leadership and components in place to be successful. And Charlie played a big role in that. Brandon Doman with us on BYU sports nation. This is 2001 BYU football, the reviewables. Given the turbulent spring football scenario and not exactly knowing what was going on uh, over the summer and during voluntary workouts, at what point, Brandon, did you feel like, okay, this team is actually going to be pretty good? Well, Gary, Coach Croton, we got into to fall camp, and I could see that the coaches had installed a run game that I, I could execute. I knew – I knew that it would allow me to be an athlete. Uh, it would allow Luke Staley to be great. And uh, when I could see that the run game was going to be a major component of what we were doing, coupled with a simplified version of the offense that we could execute, um, I could see it. The moment we got going in two days, we took off. And just some of the quarterback run game stuff where we could do some speed option zone read that was really unheard of at that time and now it's all you see um but we were we were really the first ones to do it to that level and that quantity and uh to be able to you know get the ball in luke's hands and open field on some of the pitches you know just a speed option and toss pitch him the football and let him run uh, was new and uh it was really really fun to watch that guy play he was so good he doesn't have the most yards in BYU history, but I call him the number one running back, the GOAT, in running backs in BYU history. I just think what he did in 01 just cements him there. And certainly yeah. his injury against Mississippi State changes things. So I want to ask you, at that point, obviously, you're, and I want to dive into a ton here, but you're 11-0, you just beat Utah, an amazing comeback at the end. 9-11, rescheduled game at Mississippi State, walk-off winner there, but Luke breaks his leg. 
What was going through your mind and the team's mind collectively as you still had a good Hawaii team on the road thinking, okay, we're 12-0 and and we still want a shot at this. And I guess the Fiesta Bowl had reached out and said, you're not going to be in this. And Luke's injured. Yeah. What, what was that like? Well, when you look at Luke's injury, we were cementing the win. We, were, we, were, we had to kick a field goal. And we had marched the ball down the field. Um, and we handed it off to him one last time up, up through the middle. It was a, it was a nice run. Um, but it was one last run to kind of put us in a position to kick that field goal and end the game. And that's when he got hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, you just kick yourself uh, wishing you could have that play back and to keep him healthy. I think had Luke Staley been healthy, uh, we would have played in the Fiesta Bowl. I think they would have taken us. He had the Doak Walker Award winner. Uh, I think the fact that he was hurt gave the committee a, a reason, to, you know, just another reason to not keep BYU in it. Um, the fact that we still had one more football game left with some injuries, I think left some gray area for the committee to try, you know, what if BYU loses that game? And so there's a lot of gray area there. But I do think had Luke been healthy, we we uh, we would have been given the bid to go. And uh, so it was a little disheartening being undefeated and ranked as high as we were. We would have loved to. Have, I think we would have played Oregon. Uh, Joey Harrington was the, one of the first, you know, first round draft pick quarterbacks. And for me personally, that would have been nice. I would have loved to have played against him and and play those guys. But yeah, it was a little disheartening to not to have Luke go down and and then uh, you know not get that bid it was hard. How did you manage playing with the pressure of an undefeated season potentially hanging in the balance, knowing that your star running back uh, was out and you had to go to Hawaii? Well, there was so much about that Hawaii trip that was hard. Uh, it was so late in the year. We were, we were hammered. We had like four or five come-from-behind games that year, Mississippi State being one of them, Utah being the other one right before that. And we were – we, we had been battle tested, but we were wounded and uh, having to go back out on whatever it was, December 8th to play Hawaii. We flew out there. We weren't there long. Um, we, we got to the stadium late. There were so many things that just wore us out. And by the time we got in that stadium to play, um, we were pretty, pretty worn out. I, I broke my ribs like second series of that game. And um, it just was, we were we limped to the finish line for sure. It's hard. I've never heard the broken ribs thing. So second series, you break ribs and you you keep going. Yeah, I I, I was I, they had a free safety that was a really really good player, uh, and he hit like a lead ball. And um, I I the second series, I just kept the ball and I ran up the right right side of our line and and I went you know I was kind of going down. And he speared me right in the back of my ribs, and it 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 fractured the the left my left bottom rib. And I, uh, anyways, it was hurting me like crazy. I just kept playing, and then right before the half, I dove. I was diving into the end zone. And he hit me again, and uh, um, I couldn't breathe. I jogged off. It was halftime. I jogged off in the locker room and went to the doctors and said got to be some kind of a cortisone shot or something that oh, man. take this pain away because I didn't want to stop playing. And um, they did. They gave me a shot to see if it would numb the pain. But but um, you can't 
you know, rib, that was the most severe pain I'd felt a broken, you know, the, the rib fractures hard. Um, but that's how that happened. That Hawaii trip just stunk. Good God. Good God. Yeah, flying home. Flying home was, that was a miserable flight home. Oh, terrible. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, did anybody finish the season healthy on your team, Brandon? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I, Dust, I remember Dustin watching Ryan Denny. His foot was so so messed up that um, I, I, look, I look back at all the guys that 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 were our top players, and there was something significantly wrong with every one of us Jeez. by the time we got to the bowl game. Reno Mahi was hurt. Uh, Doug Jolly was always limping. Um, you know, Brett Kiesel and Ryan Denny, we had some great ones, but we were pretty banged up. Like I said, we were limping to the finish line pretty good that year. Let's talk about the Utah game. So people remember Luke Staley's play, and I want to ask you about that in a second. But one of the bigger stories is Reno Mahe plays this with, uh, after, uh, you know, a, mo- removing his appendix. Um, t- tell yeah. us the story of how Reno didn't just play, but he had an amazing game in that one. Well, I'll tell you what, it was, it was Saturday after we had finished. I can't remember who we just finished playing. And uh, I had just got done doing an interview with Channel 2. They used to have a little remote location in Provo back, back then. And it was just, just down on University Avenue. And uh, I had come out of there at about, I don't know, 11, maybe 11 o'clock at night after the game was done that night. And I'm driving past the the hospital there the utah valley hospital towards my apartment which was which was down the road a little ways and i get a phone call from doctor our doctor at that time and he said brandon um where are you i said i'm just driving past the hospital he said he says stop your car and come into the emergency room i've got reno mahe in here with his appendix bursting um and he wants a he wants a blessing. So, um, he was, Reno's a pretty pretty faithful guy, and and I hurried and parked my car. Not no joke. I parked it, ran in there, and uh, there he was laying there. And he's like, "I need a blessing." And uh, so uh, we hurried and gave him a blessing, and and uh, he he uh, whether he should or shouldn't have been playing the following Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys be the judge of that. <laughs> I'm grateful 20 years later, but um, he played. And uh, had we not had him in that game, he made a couple big-time football plays. And, um, gosh, I love that guy. He he was such a such a warrior. But, yeah, five, seven days later, he played in the Utah game. Five catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Unbelievable stuff. Brandon Doman with us on BYU Sports Nation, the reviewables. Uh, let's uh, finish with this, Brandon. The iconic moment for most BYU fans from that 2001 season is the pitch to Luke Staley as he's running down the sideline into the end zone, which ultimately resulted in the game-winning touchdown in that huge rivalry game. Take us to your perspective on that play. What did you see? What did you feel? And what do you remember? One of the things that we did well that year was uh, the, the coaches allowed me to check into run plays. And I gave him some heartburn a lot of times because we'd have a great pass play dialed up and I would see something in the run game and I would check to it. Um, but in that particular case, they they were running a, a, a type of defense that left them vulnerable to the boundary, to the weak side of the field. 
which meant they only had three guys there, a defensive tackle, a defensive end, and a linebacker. They had inverted the safety to the strong side of the field over the top of Reno. And so we checked into a weak side speed option. And um, their defensive end was one-on-one with me and Luke. And uh, our receivers were so good at blocking downfield. If I remember right, it might have been Soren Halliday uh, or Andrew Ord. I can't remember which one. But uh, after, you know, checking to that and getting the defensive end to commit to me, I had to kind of do a little dance move to get him to, to stay with me because I knew I wasn't going to score. So <laughs> um, if I could get him to stay with me and, and get the ball in Luke's hands, there was a darn good chance that something spectacular would happen. And sure enough, he committed to me and we pitched it to Luke and, and our receivers and our line, everybody blocked like they, like they did that year. They were so good at it. And uh, he took off down the sideline. And I've been in that stadium hundreds of times. And uh, I've never felt that electrifying of a feeling in that stadium ever in my life. It was an unbelievable experience to see him go down that sideline that way. So, yeah, probably my greatest one – one of my top two or three moments by far. Brandon, uh, outstanding stuff. We appreciate you taking time with us uh, to review a team that deserves the attention. And hopefully your rib is feeling better these days. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just now it's just my back. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for highlighting our team. That was a fun year with a bunch of great guys. You got it, man. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon Doman on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. This is an hour-long show. I mean, I could have spent a whole hour with Brandon asking him about I have like 10 more questions I, I want to ask. I know. I'm like, what? That's it. Uh, the Dominator campaign and Luke Staley's year and just the offense and just – it was unbelievable. He's the only quarterback, you know, like we mentioned, to go 3,000 passing yards, 450 rushing yards in a season at BYU. Just unbelievable. And I didn't know he uh, hurt his ribs, but, yeah, Charlie Peterson played half that game. So he that makes sense. He broke his rib and kept playing. That Hawaii yeah. game stunk. He eventually comes out, right? They're down. He's hurt. But, yeah, Brandon Doman. Uh, always enjoyed our conversations with him. He was on the coaching yeah. staff. Okay, coming up, who won the season? And... Was it Brandon Doman or someone else is the answer to that question? Find out next. This is BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables 2001 Football. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables 2001 BYU Football. As a reminder, you can watch this show anytime you want, on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. And we have a podcast. It's free. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. He is Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. It is time for us to discuss who won the season in 2001. Was it a player? Was it the team? Who won the season? I think initially it was Gary Croton. He's replacing Lavelle Edwards, and all of a sudden, BYU's 12-0. and And at the end of the season, yes, there's kind of the sour taste of like, ah, BYU was ranked 12th, but 12-0 and was amazing. That was the third time BYU history BYU ever had 12 consecutive wins in a season. And then, uh, obviously, it goes south after that. But the fact that this man could replace Lavelle and then start 12-0, and I think it's pretty significant. And lead the country in offense, and you have the Doak Walker Award winner, and you have uh, Brandon Doman and all these NFL guys. I think that's pretty notable. And I love that Brandon said, when he first came in, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> He's running a calculus party, and we're all trying to get on board. But then he simplified things, credit to Coach Croton, and allowed his team 
to kind of catch up to him, and it created for something special. So now, now, the only issue there is they're all wearing tan. There's just way too much tan. Tan is the worst. I don't like tan. What lost the season? The jerseys. Yeah, the jerseys lost the season. Yes. Those didn't age well, as we would say. If it's not Gary Croton who won the season, Jeremy, it's Brandon Doman. He goes from third-string quarterback in Lavelle's final season in 2000, third-string to a Heisman Trophy candidate the next year. I'm pretty sure we have Dominator no- notebooks lying around somewhere still from the 0-1 team. That was a fun campaign. It's interesting to see that BYU pushed Brandon Doman as the uh, candidate when we look back and go, well, wait, wasn't Luke Staley the best player? That's how many good players were on this team. You could have pushed Reno Mahe for the Blitnikoff. You could have pushed Doman for the Sammy Baugh and whatnot, but that year it was tough. There was David Carr and Rex Grossman, and it was going to be tough, but... Playmakers all over the place. And Brandon Doman, yes, he goes from third string to Heisman candidate slash NFL draft pick, which is pretty improbable. And again, all it takes is one special season to cement your legacy in BYU history. Brandon Doman is uh, a guy we talk about to this day because of 01. He's a brilliant mind. Fifth round draft pick, as you mentioned. Quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator. The guy knows his football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Doman was awesome, and there were so many guys on defense, you know, Aaron Francisco and Brady Papinga and Brett Kiesel and Ryan Denny, and it was really fun, um, even though those guys give up a bunch of points. A cu- <laughs> like, Brady is a freshman. I'm not going to pin a one on, like, him, but uh, so many playmakers. The triumvirate, Luke Staley, every time he got the ball, you felt like he could score, beating Utah dramatically. Um, you know, this team, uh, this team is... One of the rare 12-plus win teams in BYU history. They play 13 regular season games because of Hawaii. Disappointing finish, but at the end of the day, uh, I look Remarkable back fondly season. on kind of what they did the first yeah. part, right? Remarkable season for a team that finishes ranked, uh, and it was so fun to learn from Brandon the little nuances of that season. The story about Reno Mahe going to the hospital, helping out there, uh, and then the audible to set up the iconic play. Brandon Doman makes that play knowing the defense and calls the audible and BYU beats Utah. He had the shake, as David Nixon told us. Great stuff. Our thanks to today's guest, the Dominator, Brandon Doman. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, who wasn't on this team, thank goodness. We ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. Dennis was shortly thereafter. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Aaron Francisco. Go Cougs!